I love you so much that the sky makes me think I wish there were more Tracy. <laughs> Tracy, I love you so much that your face reminds me of everything I ever want to see forever. When I think of how you sit near me, I want you to sit closer all the time. When you're not in the room with me, I wish that you would come somewhere where I was. <laughs> back to just deep enough with josh and tracy how are you tracy i'm okay i'm doing okay how deep is deep enough deep enough is just enough so that you can feel like there is something to hold on to but not so deep that you're going to be dragged under mm. like if you're holding on to somebody and you're trying to save them from drowning if they go just deep enough that's not so deep that you can't pull them out of the water. I don't know. This, you just asked me. This is what I came up with. I like it. I like it. It has something to do with delving far enough in to be able to pull something out instead of getting lost in the depths. Hmm. Right, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I think that's good. That is deep enough. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Do we get... We could still get pulled under, though. We could. It's, it's a risk that comes with conversations at this level of intensity and insight. <laughs> Delving into the... So much insight. Impossible realms. I don't want to set the bar too high on the insight thing, because what if we don't have that much insight? Or, or, or the, the objective on... on, on um, or disinterested... Uh, observer might not find it inside. True. I mean, what are we? Just a middle-aged boyfriend and girlfriend hanging out in our apartment chatting? That's true. But that's pretty fun. That's pretty cool. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. <sighs> that is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about being in midlife. Midlife. And starting a new relationship in midlife. And now Josh is turning off the heater that kicked on because it's going to have all sorts of background noise. So that was a good call. And the cat's asleep, so right now she doesn't seem interested in dropping things off of shelves. But we'll see how long that lasts. So, yeah. Josh and Tracy, just deep enough. This this is a, a good topic for us. I mean, we, we are in a relationship. We are in midlife. So... This could even be considered one of those areas where, unlike immortality or ghosts, we have some direct experience with this. Mm -hmm, that's true. 
But I might be immortal and just not know it because I haven't died yet. Oh. Well, okay. That, that's possible. Maybe we aren't in a relationship when we don't know it. Maybe we're ghosts. Maybe we're ghosts. I don't feel like a ghost. No, I don't really feel like a ghost either. Well, I don't know. I don't think I do. I feel like a, a middle-aged guy who's got an awesome girlfriend who has profound discussions for a handful of handful I said handful of of individuals of of listeners that find themselves motivated to explore the I don't know in this case it's going to be the midlife relationship you know and it is a good one Tracy because if you were to go googling for Starting relationships in midlife, you would find an endless number of articles online written by various experts. What would they say, these experts? I've read a few, you know, back before you and I got together when I was using dating apps regularly. Now and then I would go searching for articles like dating in midlife or relationships after divorce or you know did you ever read those kind of articles mm-hmm. you know I, don't, I, I should have it would have been wise well, but I don't think I did that much the only article I think I mentioned that was significant in you and you and me being able to or you and I getting being able to uh make it past those first couple dates where that first swipe opportunity was because I read an article that said go ahead and respond affirmatively to people who are younger because mm-hmm. for a long time I was just automatically when I was getting um, inquiries from men who were mm-hmm. at all younger than myself I would automatically weed them out assuming mm-hmm. that they just didn't know how old I was and so I recently, right before I, um, you and I made connection, I had decided that that men who were a scotch younger than myself were options. Mm-hmm. So the age differences are something not necessarily unique to midlife relationships. However, it's always a consideration I mean, differences in age are a consideration at different stages in life for a different reason. Um, for, for you and I, I think the, the midlife age consideration maybe comes into play in terms of where each of us is at with perhaps our, our family, like children, um, maybe the realities of having a, an ex-spouse managing some of those kind of things and then also having finances being something that's generally independent and relatively stable and you know forming a a nuclear family isn't at the the, I don't know it's one of those yeah it's not like it's not a thing where either of us are looking for prospective mating partners Mm -hmm. For the purpose of procreation. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a, a procreative mating. Which, 
by itself is something is that something different is that something new is that a, a modern relationship well i think i um, well probably not because frankly for most of history men married multiple women serially because a lot of women died in childbirth like it happened mm-hmm. a lot like if you look at old grave yards there'll be often two or three wives in mm-hmm. there that died in childbirth mm-hmm. so honestly like the whole idea of like a relationship that's going to last 60 years or whatever was never typical through human history so I think the fact that we live so much longer now mm-hmm. almost adds a feature of more likely to mm-hmm. leave a first relationship or a first marriage and go to a second relationship, mm-hmm. significant relationship later at least once. Mm-hmm. So, and then, in, you know, my kids are grown and um, for the most part grown. And so, and we're not... I don't know. So it's it's kind of like it's a little bit like a college relationship, except we're not in college. I don't know. It just reminds me of when I was in college a little bit, like because mm. the whole point was just to be in the relationship and scrupulously avoid having children at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it it helps to you know since we're going based on our experiences here. I mean, you'd ask me about the expert's opinion, and I never had any like firm takeaways from that, aside from assisting me in being, you know, more methodical and somewhat earnest in in my like dating efforts, um, or or even also just not not trying too hard, having found so many multiple. Ex- perspectives with decent advice it seemed like it confirmed my that my common sense was on target is what happened after you know trying to educate myself on what the experts say about forming relationships Uh, what was your common sense on the matter uh kind of be yourself um have plenty of introspection going into the relationships get a good sense of where the other person is in their life um, and to really just focus on honesty and compatibility and communication and enjoy it you know have have it be something fun um, be respectful, um, watch out. I mean, I'm just giving you a list of things here, but uh, watch out for things that move especially fast just because of physical attraction. Sometimes that can sort of derail some of the more substantial kind of bonding experiences that come from things that are a little less focused on sexual intimacy. and also trusting trusting my gut to to some extent you know in a cautiously trusting my gut you know not the the gut that is like very stimulated by the person but the the gut that gives me a sense of like 
confidence and optimism and um, where there's a, a realistic sense of not necessarily progress but a realistic sense of um, a potential partnership you know that it's really realistic like kind of like a you know if it, if it is a shopping experience like this this particular um, not product like a partnership kind of thing much more a lot more businessy you know I, I I've kind of taken more of a, a negotiating approach to things while still allowing a sense of passion to inform inform that, you know. Tell me what you mean. How has negotiation, how have you employed negotiation in our relationship? Um, well, it's like we, we negotiate on establishing what the the value of the relationship is um, maybe negotiation isn't the right word it has it has to do with like deciding on values like learning to to value our shared experiences you know um, and negotiation in the sense too you know the word is like we we kind of navigate together through the values that we like both share like what we both appreciate about each other um, and then learning to value the things we do together and then we kind of navigate this sense of like what both of us bring to being together and then what we create together and then at the same time there is a sense of negotiation too that comes with um, like keeping a, a, a separate set of interests, like a, a, a sphere that each of us sort of has their own ownership or sovereignty of, but kind of overlaps with the other person somewhat selectively. Mm -hmm. So negotiating in that way. Um, but in some of it too, just real negotiating things like, you know, how much time do we want to spend together? cohabitating what what are the pluses and minuses of it in terms of sleeping better or being in one room or another room or um, those kind of things you know it's I guess it's it's broader than just the negotiating that goes with the sense of um, how do we want this relationship to work kind of negotiating um, it's it's a more multi multi-pathed kind of creation of values mm -hmm. I mean that's kind of like it reminds me of the the SGI stuff it's a, a value creation I think our relationship is kind of like a, a value creation partnership it's kind of what we do as a team is you know bring our individual values and we create value you know mm -hmm. one thing that I've thought about a little bit about the whole midlife relationship thing when, because I, in some ways, the way I feel about you is only similar to like maybe the very first relationship I ever had in certain ways, which was a very important relationship. My very first relationship, which was when I was, began when I was a freshman in college. And, um, and in that relationship, 
I was carrying the baggage of childhood and adolescence. Like, because that hadn't all been healed and resolved by that point, right? Mm-hmm. And so I carried that baggage into that relationship. And then I spent a lot of time, like, resolving all of that. And I feel like resolving, spent my, there's a saying, you spend your 20s um, getting over your teens and your 30s getting over your 20s. <laughs> and I think that's kind of a little bit true. But I felt like I had really resolved a great deal of things. But then, But then when you enter into a second significant relationship after having been married mm-hmm. you and I have both previously been married um you then I carry some of the baggage from that from mm-hmm. the from the previous marriage and mm-hmm. um so it's like it's like it's sort of like on the one hand it feels like the baggage is very different mm-hmm. in this time because the baggage is I don't know, but in, but if I really think about it, it's just weird. It just be it just it's like you never really because my first thought was well if you know it you know if if it's a first relationship you don't have any baggage. I'm thinking no, you totally have baggage. Like you have baggage from adolescence and childhood when you're tw- when you are 19 or whatever, and then you mm-hmm. have baggage from whatever broken hearts in my case you know maybe before marriage and then you have the baggage from the marriage itself Mm -hmm. and sometimes I feel like life is just like a constant cleanup Mm -hmm. of baggage and it's like sort of like trying to stay ahead of it I don't know do you know what I mean yeah well some of it is like a little bit like garbage you know if our lives are like factories in the course of our lives We have waste, we accumulate, we create stuff, and and we give things away. I mean, we create things and we use things and we throw things away. There is going to be, I don't like to think of it as much as baggage as it is just like like trash. It's like things that you've got to clean up. Sometimes it's just all thrown around because it, it doesn't go away I mean it's there in the past forever right taking care of it doesn't mean erasing it it just means like arranging it differently right mm-hmm. or transforming it even somehow into a different shape so mm. you know so I, I really think you, you've used the expression of turning poison into medicine and I think sometimes we change our baggage into I don't know couches or something you know what I mean it gets mm-hmm. it gets repurposed and into something valuable you know yeah and, and and from a practical standpoint you know often the what it gets transformed into ideally is some kind of wisdom or self-knowledge or uh-huh. um, in the best of circumstances uh, an increase of compassion or Mm -hmm. um I think one of the things that past experiences have brought into focus for me in our relationship is how I mean I feel like I don't take for granted how precious this is because Because it, you know, it, it, it isn't automatic. It isn't a foregone com- conclusion that one will have 
a safe, trusting relationship, like a, a relationship where you feel safe and where it's like where the concept of vulnerability isn't terrifying because because it feels safe. Like I, yeah. So mm-hmm. I think so. I I don't take that for granted. Mm-hmm. Where. And I think that, like, in my very, very first relationship that I had back when I was beginning 18 and it was for two and a half years, I did take it for granted. It was really a great relationship, but I just took it for granted mm-hmm. because I didn't have I didn't have a context for it. I didn't, it just seemed like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just took it for granted. And so, and that's why, in a way, that's, like, the, the only comparable point of yeah. my relationship history that I could put in terms of what you and I yeah. have. Well, we're we're older and wiser, as they say, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, ideally, that's that's what happens to us. And in the context of a relationship, that that wisdom gets applied to, you know, having deeper forms of engagement. You know, fun activities we do that are that feel really meaningful, that aren't just playful and fun, but seem to really um i don't know be be worthwhile it doesn't things aren't as superficial overall you know um, there's there's a greater degree of importance to even moment to moment kind of activities you know and it's not a weighty importance it's it's like you're saying it's a, a sense of like nothing gets taken for granted you know right. so things are all very very valuable you know or potentially so. It's still, for me, kind of easy to get caught up in my own head sometimes and forget to appreciate that. But that certainly isn't my my normal way of operating. You know? No, definitely not. No, I, and I I definitely don't. I mean, we can't be in a. Well, I don't. I shouldn't say can't. I would say it's typically. It would be. It would be unusual. To be in a constant state of awe, mm-hmm. but I do think it, I think it is definitely possible to be in a pretty constant state of gratitude. Though mm-hmm. it's not easy or automatic, it's mm-hmm. something you have to do intentionally. But I feel a lot of gratitude. Do you think that? I mean, you and I are we? So let's let's deal with the the issue of. So this is a podcast where you and I are talking. And, you know, other people are or they aren't listening. But to the extent that, like, our discussion of relationships, it's generalizable to, to other people. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're so unique as that our, that our insights are... Um, uh, ungeneralizable. Ungeneralizable. Thank they you. are not ungeneralized. Yeah. They are generalizable. They are, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's... This is something that, in the context of podcasts, I think about. And you've mentioned, too, that sometimes being very, being the most personal with your individual experience can sometimes be, create the most universal type of story with something that, that you mentioned the other day, right? Right. Yeah. I think that's definitely true. Yeah. I think the more we try to be general, the mm-hmm. less things grab. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but in terms of vulnerability, while I might be feel, you know, I don't necessarily feel entirely vulnerable 
in the context of the podcast itself because I am aware of it being recorded. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, you know, just reasonable. But then I don't want to get so general either that it becomes sort of just sort of um, fluffy theories mm-hmm. about things. I don't know. Well, that's the, the benefit of having a, a dialogue like this that we can you know the the fluffy theory it's it's a little bit harder to to get fluffy and theoretical with us being in a relationship talking about middle-aged relationships at least this variety of topic kind of automatically creates an an applied aspect right yeah yeah Yeah. right well and i think and I think that I think the way we communicate with each other honestly is really like a good model for a lot of communication. I really think we communicate really well. Hmm. You listen to me, you hear me, vice versa. I feel like I listen to you and I hear you. We cooperate in our Mm -hmm. communication that way. And so... So it's like that's a specific that's a specific of our relationship that mm-hmm. isn't that not everyone is doing for sure but yeah. that it but people want that I think they they do want that good communication. I know sometimes when people go to consume say media and entertainment they don't necessarily go looking for it. I mean some people will look for, you know, dramatic arguments and and misunderstandings and you know, miscommunications as a form of, of entertainment, you know, the, the, as kind of like an exploration of tragedy and comedy, just seeing how disconnected people can be. So You mean in shows or you mean in real life? It's almost always just in shows, you know. You know, most people in real life don't aspire to, you know, dysfunctional communication for the sake of entertainment, you know. I would think not, yeah. Um, but you and I sometimes will pretend to misunderstand each other for, for, for kidding around purposes, you know. That's true. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah. But we both get the joke. It's, you know, it's uh-huh. not like it's there's any deception involved. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the, the biggest challenge for you in, um, well, to keep it balanced, like the biggest challenge and joy of... Uh, like a, a middle-aged relationship and I can go first if you'd prefer well let's check the time because I don't want us to get cut off and we might need to because uh, that's a really juicy okay we've got a little bit of time on this one and then we'll okay. probably go to the next next go ahead and start a second section but go ahead you're saying what is the most challenging yeah. thing for you yeah we'll just go the most challenging and enjoyable and identify both of those are on really general terms and then we can have our second half of this episode be delving into those specific things because we've just kind of bumped around a little bit Mm -hmm. maybe we can flesh out the specifics okay so go on you yeah so the most challenging thing for for me i would say is what you mentioned just dealing with stuff from the the past and you know my family the previous marriage um and weaving an understanding of that into what's happening between you and me 
in terms of just building a relationship. Um, the most enjoyable part is just, for me, is just appreciating you as a person, you know, just just getting to know you, having our relationship unfold, and just seeing what happens as we create it together. For me, that's the enjoyable, most enjoyable part. So you said the most challenging, the most enjoyable. Do you have a third thing that you said? No, the challenging thing is the, the stuff from the past. I mean, we had a conversation earlier about, you know, my kids and a little bit about my ex-wife and some of those challenges. And um, so there's that, just working with the past and, and then the um, just enjoying creating it, unfolding it, using our communication skills and working through stuff and and just the, the day-to-day unfolding of, of what's happening with you and me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so the most challenging thing for me also is the way in which it's it's mostly for me what really I struggle with the most is just the continued effects of financial stuff from my from my ex. Um that continues that's I continue to have to deal with I, I I imagine I imagine and I don't, you know there's no way to know for sure but I imagine that if that was not a part of my life I would not have really any significant stress because um, I really don't have any stress I have no stress in our relationship in fact I only feel it just like feels so relaxed in our relationship and um, at peace um, and but that's that's that that's how it is and I'll work through it and I'll, I'll, I'll find my way on the other side of it but and then the most enjoyable part of it is what you said I just I just feel really weirdly fortunate like I'm surprised at how lucky I am to be with you I feel like I deserve it and I'm glad for it but it's surprisingly wonderful to be with you okay well in our next segment we'll expand on these things awesome awesome